in the midst of this affliction, this servant has tremendous confidence, right? And it's in the Lord God who will vindicate him. That is, show him to be blameless, the righteous one. And that's connected to the comfort that we receive as Christians, because if we are united to this servant, Jesus, by faith, then his vindication is our vindication. Uh, we might say when, when Jesus was raised from the dead and, and shown to be the righteous son of God, we too were raised with him. He was raised for our justification. Well, welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor, and I'm here with Pastor Daniel Ventura, my co-pastor. It's good to have you, brother. Good to be here with you, brother. Yeah, excited to dive into our discussion today. We'll start off with a fun personal question uh, during this Advent season. What is your favorite Christmas hymn? Hmm. I, I love the Christmas hymns in general. I think if I had to narrow it down, I'd probably pick Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mm. Um, I love the lyrics in there. And also I love O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I just love the tone of that one and uh, some of the rich Old Testament references, even from Isaiah, that it yeah. brings out. So yeah. I love that one. That longing, right, yeah. for, for the arrival of the one who would be born king, our yeah. savior. Mm. Yeah. How about you, brother? Yeah, one of my favorites is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It's quite a short hymn, mm. but the lyrics are very rich yeah. in the content and the melody just pairs so well. It's it's one of great joy and excitement mm-hmm. and celebration about the coming of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that one. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. So diving into mm-hmm. our discussion of the text, what was the scripture passage that we heard this past Sunday? And what was the main point? Yeah, so this past Sunday, we looked at the third servant song of Isaiah, which is Isaiah 50 verses 4 through 11. And um, this passage is kind of answering a question that's been on the hearts of God's people in Isaiah, which is, you know, why can we trust God to be our helper? You know, as, as you mentioned from different parts of Isaiah in your own preaching, the Lord often rebuked his people for going to the idols of the nations for their help and for their security instead of trusting in the Lord. And here um, during this time of great humbling, the people are wondering, you know, if the Lord has cast them off forever and if he will be a God that they can trust. And so there's a number of ways in which this servant shows us that God can be our help. And he he shows us this in Uh, telling us that we can trust God to be our help because he's the one who knows how to minister to our weary hearts, his word. Uh, Second, he knows what it's like to suffer affliction himself. Uh, And third, he knows how to persevere through affliction and also walk through the dark circumstances of life. And so because this servant has these capabilities of sympathy and, and able to go through suffering and able to be with us in the darkness of life and seeing us through that, We are to not rely upon our own wisdom and strength or the help of others, but we are to ultimately rely upon the Lord and trust in the name of the Lord. Hmm. So good. You know, Christmas season happens to fall in the time when it's the most dark, literally, Mm -hmm. throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of darkness. Isaiah here and also in John's gospel are using darkness as as a metaphor for the darkness of life, of yeah. circumstances, and things like troubled relationships, physical ailments to mm-hmm. the body, financial distress that people might be in, mm-hmm. marital strife and such. These are things that are common to us all that it feels like heavy darkness. And mm-hmm. so it's wonderful to hear a text like this, which is calling us to behold the light 
that God has sent into the world and to find help in him to lift us out of that darkness and mm. to give us hope to press on and go forward. Yeah. So is there any vivid imagery in this text that's really helping us see that reality? Yeah. One of the neat things about this servant song is the the servant tells us how he's a, he's a fellow disciple with us. And in that we mean that he is one who is taught the word of God and he is one who is trained in the word of God. He says in the opening, the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught. And we see the purpose for that. Why is this servant taught the word of God and trained in the word of God and brought up in the word of God? He says, so that I might know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. And so we see this servant, ultimately, we see as Christians, this is Jesus. He is prepared throughout his life, ultimately, in the words that he would speak um, so that he could bring that word of life and comfort and strength to, to weary sinners. And um, he speaks of how morning by morning the Lord awakens his ear to teach him these things, right? He lived in this fellowship and communion with his father all throughout his life. You, you see that even as a young boy, how he was in the temple discussing the things of God with others and, and the people marveled at his wisdom even as a young boy. Jesus, going through all those stages of human development, was prepared as this disciple so that he could bring that word of comfort to the people that he would minister to in his life, but also to us who are hearing his word in the scriptures and recounting what he has said and done. Uh, We are receiving life and strength from Jesus as a fellow disciple. Yeah, incredible. The Thomas Goodwin quote that you referred to in your sermon speaks about that, Mm. that it is natural for the Son of God to obey the moral law of God, but he not only came to obey the moral law of God and obey in that way, but he also came to submit to suffering and learn what it means in a personal, experiential way, what it Mm. means to suffer through adversity and trials and difficulties and remain obedient through that. So it was not natural that the Son of God would suffer and learn obedience in that way, he had to submit to it and he came willingly and entered into that school of suffering mm-hmm. for us to redeem us, to pull us out of that that affliction and suffering, the misery mm-hmm. of sin and death, and also to comfort us along the way. So we're considering how Christ came as one who is taught and he learned obedience through his suffering. He's a fellow sufferer. In this passage also, Isaiah talks about he set his face like flint. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah, it shows the the determination of this servant to accomplish his mission. Flint is a hard sedimentary rock which was used to make tools in the Stone Age. And there we see maybe this connection here with this this servant's willingness to, to go all the way through suffering uh, to accomplish his mission. And he speaks about, you know, the suffering he would endure about his back being given over to, to those who whip, his beard being pulled out, disgrace and spitting, this humiliation that this, this servant, he says, he, I gave my, myself to this, right? He willingly gives himself over to suffering. And we'll, we'll see the reasons for that in Isaiah 53, ultimately to go forward with the cross for our sins. But there were, you know, given imagery that shows that this servant knows how to go through suffering and knows how to persevere through suffering. And it's not because he simply pulls himself up by his own bootstraps to endure affliction. He says in verse 7, the reason why he's able to do this is because the Lord God helps him. Therefore, he will not be ultimately disgraced. 
And so he trusts in the Lord even in his suffering. Mm -hmm. To get real practical here, Pastor Daniel, let's zoom in again on verse 4. It says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. So Christ here is declaring that he is able to sustain with a word or a timely word him who is weary. He's able to find a weary person who's looking to him for help and sustain them with a word. So where do we hear the voice of Christ in our lives? How can an ordinary Christian listening to this listen and find the voice of Christ to sustain him or her with a word? Mm. You know, we don't believe that the Lord ordinarily speaks to Christians immediately, you know, without any tools that he uses just speaking right to our, our minds, his audible voice. Of course, the Lord can do those things, but ordinarily God ministers to us through his word. And as we open the scriptures, we hear God speaking to us. And there's some portions of scripture where obviously we could we could hear very clearly the the voice and teaching and words of comfort from Jesus. You know, in, in the four gospels, we hear Jesus speaking and ministering to hurting, broken, desperate people just like us. But one other unique section of scripture that highlights for us the voice of Christ is the Psalms. Uh, many of the Psalms, you know, come from the very lips of Jesus himself. He, he's the ultimate singer of the Psalms and prayer of the, uh, of the Psalms. And it's interesting when we open the Psalms and we make those our prayers and when we make those our meditation, in a very special way, we're, we're joining our hearts to Jesus and joining our lips with his lips. You know, think of Psalm 22, which opens up with those words. It's a Psalm of David. It says, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that was a stanza that was taken on the lips of Jesus from the cross as he was suffering for our sins. And so we see there, you know, Jesus himself, you know, speaking uh, these Psalms in his own experience to God. And so when we open the word and we're in a difficult and dark situation and we're feeling weary and we're, we're lifting up those psalms to God in our own prayers, in our own singing, or in our own worship. We're joining our lips and our experience to the, to the experience of Jesus, this fellow disciple and sufferer. And in that way, he's able to, to show us that he could sympathize with us, that he, could, uh, that he is near to us in our experience, that he's even given words that we could use to express ourselves to God in those dark times. Mm. I love that, you know, I don't always think of it in this way, but when we sing the Psalms, Jesus is joining his voice with ours. Mm. And so if it's a Psalm of rejoicing, Jesus' voice comes alongside us. And in a sense, we should hear him rejoicing with us mm. as we sing it. If yeah. it's a lament, we hear Jesus weeping with us mm. in it. And that's a way in which we hear his voice and he's joining his voice with ours, mm. kind of linking his heart with ours in that, through that, and guiding us and comforting us along the way mm. uh, in the darkness. And that, that is a beautiful way in which yeah. he is sustaining the weary with a word, mm. um, as one who's been taught, one who has suffered himself. One other way in which we hear the voice of Jesus come to us is in the preaching of God's word. Mm. Obviously, the written word of God is the inspired, God-breathed uh, word for us. 
And so as we read the scriptures, in a sense, we are listening to the voice of Christ, mm. but also through the live preaching of God's word. And there's a really interesting passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, where Paul tells the Christians in Ephesus who personally never met Jesus during his earthly ministry. Mm. He tells them, and Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So in what way did Jesus come and preach peace to them if they never met him personally? Well, the only way that that makes sense is to understand that Jesus came and preached peace to the Ephesians through the lips of his ambassador, Mm. the Apostle Paul, who Mm. was sent on behalf of Jesus to speak for Jesus. Mm. Therefore, we can conclude that when preachers stand up Mm. to speak the truth about Jesus on behalf of Jesus, it is Jesus himself preaching to his people, yeah. uh, giving them peace, giving them comfort, giving them correction. But it's Jesus who's speaking yeah. through mm. the lips of preachers, even mm. faltering, stammering lips yeah. of sinful men. Mm-hmm. We hear the voice of Christ when it is aligned and in accord with the truthfulness of mm-hmm. his word. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Jesus still speaks today mm-hmm. uh, through his word, like in the Psalms as we sing them and pray them and also through the live preaching of God's word from the mouths of ministers too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these are really practical ways in which we can seek out that word from Jesus that can sustain our weary hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and as you've mentioned to me before too, one of the ways as well that Christians could hear Jesus ministering to them in their affliction is through the body of Christ loving one another well in sharing that word with each other right um encouraging one another with the word of god exhorting one another to love and good works um you know when we're joining ourselves to jesus in this servant song by asking god as well to awaken us morning by morning to open our ears so that we might be those who are taught by god when we're when we're living close to the lord in prayer asking him for wisdom and guidance and knowing how to minister to people. And when we get this word of Christ into our hearts through hearing the gospel, like you're saying, on the Lord's Day and taking in the word of God through through Bible reading and meditation, then God is filling our cup. He's given us something to offer to weary people around us, mm-hmm. which is not ourselves ultimately, but it's the Lord, right? It's his word. It's, it's that word in season that people uh, need to hear. And so just an encouragement for our listeners to to live close to Jesus and his word in communion with him and and know that God is is equipping you in those moments, not just so that you will be blessed, but so that you can be a blessing to someone around you, um, to, to the weary spouse, to the weary child in your midst, to the weary coworker, to the to the weary and isolated neighbor, right? To the to the weary lady at the checkout counter. God is filling your cup so that you can go and be a blessing to them. Um, and be able to share a word of comfort and grace to the people who need to hear it. Mm, mm, it's so good. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul says later to the Ephesians in chapter 4, speaking to ordinary Christians, mm. saying this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm. And so we have the opportunity with our words, as you're saying, as we take in God's word, as we let God's word come and enter into us and bring us comfort and fill us up, then we are more capable, more 
equipped to then give that word to others as fits the occasion in a timely, wise way in order that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity to give the grace of God to others, to be, in a sense, conduits of the grace of God through our words, Mm -hmm. as you're just saying. And just to continue to riff off that, brother, like the, the Lord can bring us through particular seasons of darkness and affliction and give us that comfort and strength so that we can know how to minister to other people in similar situations. And, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm. And so you see that, right? God allowing us to to experience affliction for the, even for the sake of others so that ultimately we might be able to share that same comfort that we have received from the Lord and the Lord even redeeming, you might see there are, are troubled circumstances for greater purposes, something that um, I know I often forget. And so much of Isaiah in this section of his book, he's driving home comfort. Mm-hmm. And this passage that you preached also brings a lot of comfort and so in what ways Mm. has this passage comforted you Mm. and as we take that in you know thinking about how we might receive that comfort so that we can then comfort others with that good news too yeah that's a great question you know um, again the servant talks about willingly enduring suffering but then he speaks about how ultimately the lord god will preserve him uh, through suffering so that he will be vindicated and shown to be who he is, which is the righteous son of God, the Holy One who does not have sin and who is not worthy of being disgraced. Uh, he says in verse eight, he who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? And in the midst of this suffering, in the midst of this affliction, this servant has tremendous confidence, right? And it's in the Lord God who will vindicate him Again, that is show him to be blameless, the righteous one. And that's connected to the comfort that that we receive as Christians, because if we are united to this servant, Jesus, by faith, then his vindication is our vindication. Uh, We might say when when Jesus was raised from the dead and, and shown to be the righteous son of God, we too were raised with him. And, and as Paul says in Romans, we, he, he was raised for our justification, that when he was raised, he secured our right standing with God. And I think that connects with us in our, in our afflictions because it, it reminds us that although we must suffer as well, not like Jesus in the sense of suffering for our sins, but suffering just the dark circumstances of life, we could have this same confidence that the servant has that, that the Lord God will help us and he will keep us in these things, that nothing will separate us from his love that is secured in Jesus Christ. And so that's our that's our confidence that we have if we're united to this same servant, Jesus by faith. That's so good. And I remember in your sermon, you, you drew attention to verse 8, which says, He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Mm-hmm. And that you said connects very much to what the apostle paul mentions in romans 8 mm. verses 33 to 34 which where he's speaking there about the suffering that we experience in life the afflictions and also persecution 
and the charges that are laid against us wrongly at times as for being Christians. Mm. And he says in very similar language, mm. what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And here's a language that ties in so much mm. with that passage in Isaiah. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Mm. Both scenarios in Isaiah and here are kind of in the courtroom. Mm. And Jesus was in the courtroom confident mm. in his own upstanding righteousness yeah. that the father would vindicate him that mm. all of the charges laid against him and his condemnation would be reversed and mm. that the father would raise him up three days later yeah. to show that he was innocent that he was truly righteous now in our courtroom scenario mm. like paul is speaking of we can stand with that same bold confidence mm. but not in our own righteousness right. but because we stand mm. in christ yeah. by faith in him yeah it's the fact that he has been condemned in our place mm. that we can stand and say no god justifies me not mm. based on anything i've done but based on what jesus has done for me and i am found in him mm. yeah so the comfort is found in that same confidence that we could have like you said because we're in jesus by faith justified on his account and then there's that second comfort towards the end as well where you know this this servant is able to walk with us in the darkness and to see us through the darkness Right there's this um, this language here of let let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and again the darkness there I believe it's not referring to our our, our own sinful rebellion against God and, and unbelief I think it's primarily connected with the dark circumstances of life that you know God in His providence allows us to walk through and uh, the different afflictions that you mentioned earlier that just afflict every child of God. Right. Jesus told us it's, it's going to be a difficult life. Right. In this world, you will have trouble, he says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You know, as we hear in the book of Acts, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And so we know this is going to be a, a hard road to heaven. Um, but the Lord is telling us that even when it's dark, even when we're lonely, uh, even when, you know, circumstances are bleak, this side of heaven, um, he will be with us in that. Even if we don't always sense his presence, even if we don't always feel his nearness, this is his promise that we cling to by faith, that he is a God who is keeping us in the grip of his hand, walking us through the darkness as our good shepherd, protecting us so that nothing will separate us from his love, ultimately that he might bring us into the light of the new creation. He will protect us and keep us. And that's the, that's the comfort that we cling to, even when you know, our experience sometimes seems to contradict it. Yeah, he is the light in the darkness when all the lights go mm. out. Mm -hmm. The light that does not diminish or fade. As John says, the darkness is already passing in the way mm. and the true light is shining. Yeah. So Pastor Daniel, what are some practical takeaways for the different kind of people in our congregation or those who are listening? What are some big takeaways for us from this passage? Yeah, you know, especially during the Advent season, you know, we might think of people going through some difficult times. It's, it's a joyful season, but it could also be a very difficult and stressful time. Family struggles that are perhaps going on. Maybe someone has lost a loved one this past year and, and you know, they, they sense that emptiness during the holiday time. And, you know, there's different different reasons why we could be walking through the darkness. And, and there's a challenge here, um, you know, at the end of this servant song, 
to, to not try to walk by the light of our own wisdom or our own strength or our own intellect, to not look to the world for solutions, right? Isaiah says, behold, all you who kindle a fire and who equip yourselves with burning torches, this you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. And so there's this warning that when we're going through the darkness, don't turn away from God, right? And try to walk by the various lights that are found in this world or by your own light. But, but the call to each one of us is to trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon God. And that means we go to God, right? That when we're going through the darkness, we don't look to ourselves in despair. Uh, we don't you know, close our Bibles or, or leave church and you know, forsake the, the gatherings where God has promised to bless us. But, but we go to the Lord in our prayers. We, we open his word. We go to the fellowship of believers to hear the voice of Christ, right? Um, and we trust that in these various means of grace, God has promised to bless us, that these are the ways in which uh, he primarily encounters us to, to give us that word that ministers to our weary heart. I guess it reminds me of the burning bush with Moses. The bush was on fire, but it did not consume hmm. the bush because it wasn't using the bush as fuel. The fire there was sufficient in itself. Mm. It didn't need anything outside of it to burn brightly. Mm. And that is God. He is self-sufficient. He is light and he dwells mm. in inaccessible light mm. in comparison to all the other false hopes that we might cling to that always fade and will always run out. Mm. Um, God never fades and never runs out mm. and his hope is enduring. And we see that through the person and work of Christ that even though the darkness thought it overcame him hmm. on the cross, that the light overcame the darkness. Yeah. We have great hope in him who has conquered hmm. the darkness for us through yeah. his death and resurrection. Yeah, I love what you said. It reminds me of, you know, earlier in Isaiah when when we're compared to those faintly burning wicks, right? Mm, yeah. uh, we're called to be the light of the world. We should be showing the light of Jesus to one another and to this world. But at times we're faintly burning wicks, right? For other people, we, we can't always be the light and the strength that they need, right? Um, but with them, we are going to Jesus, right? The true light, the, the like you said, the, the light that doesn't diminish in power, our strength, our ability, right? That light that has all power and strength in himself, right? And together as a community of faith, as brothers and sisters in the Lord who, who yes, are trying to reflect that light, ultimately we're, we're all together going to to that same light together to receive the healing and the comfort and the strength that we need as believers. So I like that note that you hit in regards to just um, this world and how how the lights are insufficient either in us or in you know things around us uh, to actually be that hope. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The light that we're most familiar with and perhaps don't always recognize that we receive every day mm-hmm. is you know when the sun comes up. Mm-hmm. And again, the darkness kind of is scared away by the light of the sun mm-hmm. and the light of the sun and its warmth is a cause for so much life mm-hmm. here on earth, sustaining ordinary life. You know, everything depends on the light yeah. source up in the sky Absolutely. for us that we are uh, circling around, yeah. you know, on, a, on this globe yeah. out in the middle of space. Yeah. We depend upon that, that light. Uh, to give us life yeah. and to sustain that life. Mm-hmm. And remarkably in 
the end of the book of Revelation when John mm. speaks of the new creation, which is our ultimate destiny, mm-hmm. the fatherland to which we are headed and bound. He says there in Revelation 21, verse 23, And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. We find there that John is saying the source of our eternal life is not going to be a large burning ball of gas in the mm. sky, yeah. but our creator God himself yeah. and the lamb who is seated on the throne, the one mm. who came to live and die for us as a sacrifice for our sins. Yeah. He will forever sustain our life mm-hmm. with the light and warmth of his, his love yeah. and his grace. Mm. I love that, brother. Yeah, there in there you see the two two advents of Jesus, right? First one where he came to be the light of the world to bring us into that fellowship with God, right? To begin his kingdom in in many ways, to inaugurate it. Then at his second advent when he comes again, he will consummate it and bring about that new creation that you just mentioned and just what a blessed hope that we have and what we remember during this advent season about about Jesus being the light of the world. Amen. With that brother Lastly, which verse do you recommend that we commit to memory from this passage? You know, I think connected to everything that we're saying, um, I'd recommend verse verse 10, which is, Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. That is a great verse, brother, and uh, really helps us prepare for our celebrations and Christmas and what it's all about. And I want to read a little portion from Dane Ortland in his commentary on this passage. He says, In a dirty room in an obscure town 20 centuries ago, the light of heaven entered into this dark, exhausted world. Born of Mary, this one identified himself as the light of the world. Our ever-present Savior walks with us, weeps with us, calms us in the darkness. The disaster we tend to make of our lives will one day be sorted out, made new, and cleansed. The clock is ticking on the darkness of our lives. A new day will dawn. Well, loved ones, we hope that you've been encouraged by this conversation as we have. May we be those who comfort others as we have been comforted with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.